Hi, and welcome to the Think Business Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Edwina Dunn and Jeff Rocher from a company called Grandpad, which makes technologies for older people, mostly uh, tablet computers and other tech support services that keep uh, older people in, in touch with loved ones and on top of what's happening in the world. Um, the very interesting thing about Grandpad is that they're locating in the Hatch Lab in Gorey, and from there, they're going to manage their entire European footprint. Uh, their workforce is going to be entirely remote, and I thought it would be an interesting time to talk to them considering that uh, many many businesses are grappling with uh, remote working for the first time but the interesting thing about Grandpad is that it's a uh, remote first uh, business so from that perspective I asked them about things like uh, how to get the best out of your people how to make sure that workers are engaged and also realizing that uh, many many workers today are also dealing with loneliness too uh, from the point of view of having been thrust into this world of remote working so let's hear what they have to say i'm talking to uh jeff rochford and edwina dunn from grandpad um, they're based at the hatch lab in gory and grandpad is a very interesting company it makes tablet technologies aimed at the elderly but the thing i find quite interesting about the company and why i'm delighted to talk to them is uh, I spoke to their CEO, Scott Lean, last year, and he filled me in about how the company very much is into remote working as a business model. Grandpad intends to employ about 75 people in Ireland. And I think from the perspective of the times we are in with COVID and a lot of companies uncomfortably grappling with remote working as, as a principle, I think that will be the new normal. So, uh, guys, could you tell me a bit about why Grandpa chose Ireland? Um, I, I, the uh, Grandpa chose Ireland initially because of uh, the great workforce here, um, and also because they wanted a, a point to move into Europe. Uh, the IDA did a very good job in promoting Ireland to them. They looked at a number of locations in Ireland and decided on the Hatch Lab in Gorey because this is a really nice office position. Um, it has integrated working in the sense you can start on a hot desk, which is what I did when I started because I was employee number one. And now we have our own office space here. And at the way we're going, I think we'll be increasing this office space uh, very soon. And that's not because we're bringing a, a workforce into the Hatch Lab, just because uh, we are now sending out and dispatching and delivering our grandpads from here. Um, and we, we need a lot more space for that. The other part, of course, was that it was, uh, Gori is just an hour or an hour and a half, depending on the time of day you travel, to the airport um, to bring people in. And it's attractive for people to come here. And, and, and what is it about the actual uh, technology that Grandpad makes? I mean, we're all familiar with things like iPads and Surface devices, but when it comes to making devices that are particularly suited to, to senior citizens, what, what, what is different about Grandpads? Really, the, the hardware and the software have just engineered out and designed out all of the frustrations for that older people um, suffer from with new technology or with technology generally. And that's not to suggest for a moment that just because you get old means somehow you're unable to do it mentally. It's not that at all. It's because of 
many just the aging process and some of the chronic conditions that you may suffer as you get older just actually doesn't allow you physically maybe to manage the technology so grandpa has has engineered all of that and designed all of that out and effectively when you get a grandpad in your hand you just lift the lid and um, immediately start working with it there's no passwords the screen is designed specially for the process when you're aging and i'm talking about 80 plus uh, where your skin gets very dry and people get very frustrated because screens on on the standard iPad on phone or smartphone doesn't work for them with dry skin. It's like wearing a glove. Mm. And of course, the big one for many of them, it's a very seems like a very simple, straightforward one. But the number of older people I have found who have all of those and maybe can manage them, but they just can't charge it because they don't they no longer have the fine finger movement or perhaps the sight to get the charger in uh, on, on a, a standard iPad or phone. And of course, the grandpad is just dropped into the charger, which makes it so much easier. Yeah, I, I think it's as Edwina said. We we started the design team started with the older person in the center and designed out from that. And that that uh, for a technology team um, that is an interesting challenge because typically when you're developing software for uh, consumption, it's it's trying to appease a mass audience, but really. Uh, so we, a lot of our developers had to really kind of scale down what they were thinking and think about ways that they could incorporate all of this high technology, things like uh, high quality video calling and different types of browsers and how you can take a browser and make it safe and secure for an older person to use and how to aim this technology, strip away all the sort of uh, things that make it complicated, but keep it as powerful uh, you know, as it is on on a normal device, so it, it's really it's really interesting to put the grandpad in front of somebody um, who would normally be not interested in the technology or just wouldn't have time for it. And I think as we get older, we our patience for new technology gets lower. Even I, you know, if there's a new uh, social media app, I'm not interested. I've you know, my the, the time for me to introduce new social media apps in my life is over. But my mother, for instance, who, who wouldn't even necessarily be in our, our age demographic, she'd be in her late 60s, um, never not interested in technology, but she's completely gravitated towards the ground pad because she can pick it up and she can use it easily without having to uh, get through all, all the mess of things like WhatsApp and stuff like that. So um, that's really what, what the ethos is. It started with our founders uh, having difficulty contacting their mother uh, across the country um, using Skype and and trying to uh, kind of sync that up across country with their their elderly mother and uh, they thought there would be a better way to do it and and it just kind of grew from there. And, and uh, the times we are in, it's it's a, I kind of I'll point to a, I mean a poignant piece of information I learned last year when I was learning about Grandpad. When you were announcing the new jobs in Ireland, uh, you pointed to an Irish longitudinal study on ageing that estimated about 400,000 people in Ireland experienced loneliness. Now, the interesting thing is that must be seriously exacerbated by the rules of the moment, uh, the way the way things have been uh, happening in Ireland in terms of lockdown and, you know, people uh, over 70, the inability to, to mix with their, their, their young relations, uh, you know, for safety reasons, distance restrictions, all kinds of things that, that really have made life a bit abnormal for, for, for as long as we can remember. In terms of like your own insights into this time and how maybe from the grandpad customer base, but also from the work you've been doing on the ground in Ireland in terms of hearing staff up and engaging with, with the elderly in Ireland. 
what what insights have you gleaned from the current time we are in and how grandpad has kind of helped ease that loneliness you're uh, you're so right on that because we we normally the grandpad get, goes into the hands of people just to to reconnect them or connect them with their family but right now so many older people for their own safety are locked in at home and the thing most of them miss is engaging with their grandchildren where they have them because of course that's a complete no-no and with the grandpad, the joy of engaging with their grandchildren on a daily basis, because remember, those children are at home now, and they miss engaging with their grandparents. And of course, parents are so delighted when they have another person to engage with their children too. So there's a number of grandparents who are regularly now engaging, coloring in books, reading stories, and so on with their grandchildren. And uh, one parent told me that their children run in and pick up the phone and go on the app and contact their granny and tell them all the things they've been doing outside because their parents are busy homeworking at the moment themselves. And it's almost like remote childminding or child engaging. And I think that's a really, you know, that's a really exciting part because that was something we hadn't really thought that much about. So that engagement is great. But of course now, older people who can just go in and see uh, their family. But more importantly, how many families are seriously worried about their parents and grandparents living alone and isolated? They can't see them. And if they go and see them, they're risking their health because they're increasing the risks all the time, the more often they visit, that they would uh, bring the virus to them. So now when they can video call in at any time of the day, morning, evening, lunchtime or whatever, and see them, um, that is enormously reassuring. And I know from some of our clients who, whose parents live long distance away, um, and of course they don't want to be traveling and they can't travel anyway, but they, like for example, we have somebody here in Wexford whose mother lives in Limerick and, and her, her mother, while she has some carers going in, um, the daughter can now video call her lots of times and she doesn't have to take the risk of driving down herself and double checking her mother. So there's lots and lots of examples like that that were, are, uh, I suppose, specifically coming to the fore right now during this time. I, I think as well, the, the crisis is kind of really focused or shone a light on on just how at risk our the older people in our community are at isolation uh that, that might even older people who mightn't have it being classified as isolated before um i, I like it, it's very easy for us to forget how easy that can happen to them because we all live in such a connected world and and we're so plugged in to our social networks and you know it's it's um even that can be isolating itself but that's a different conversation but when when this happened well, my aunt was in a in a nursing home and they were the first yeah. to, to be locked down that's that's it then that's just the communication to the outside world cut off for many people who haven't kind of a, been weren't digital adopters you know that's that's the, from from that day forward all they've seen is their carers and, and the inside of a nursing home um and maybe spoken to their family on the phone so with something like the grandpa i, I managed to get one to her just before just before it happened and now she's more connected now than she even was before the lockdown because she we have a private social network that's on the grandpad as well so it can uh, she can engage with her teenage grandchildren in the way that they engage with technology by sending them posts and updates like they would say on instagram or something like that 
um, but also just using the video call functions and stuff that she can keep connected. So now she, she's even more connected than she was than before the crisis. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that we can all forget just how vulnerable anybody is to isolation, but particularly the uh, the older people in her in her. John, and just that nursing home, that's a really good mm. example because many residents in nursing homes, remember, are confined to their rooms. Mm. They're not even mixing with other residents. And, you know, that is like such deprivation. That's, you know, that's almost like been in prison and just kept in a room. And we had one example where a lady went for respite care to a nursing home. And they had, uh, of course, then they had a case of COVID while she was there and she was desperately upset because she couldn't leave. Mm. And she was now confined to a room and the family were really upset. Anyway, they got a, they got a grandpa, I delivered it down to the nursing home, handed in at the door. And within the hour, she was immediately connecting with her family and they with her through video calling on the grandpad. And, you know, that was so reassuring. This lady recovered, you know, she was depressed and upset and crying all the time. And she's now, they're, to, they're speaking to her every day on her, on her grandpad. Remember, she went in for two weeks. She's now probably two months there and in a room. I mean, that is really, uh, really, really frightening for anybody. So, again, that lonely, that isolated, <laughs> that older person in the nursing home is being reconnected. And that's such a reassurance all around. And I suppose then the next thing is, uh, as last year you came to Ireland, uh, announced 75 jobs across the country. I, I know these 75 jobs don't materialise immediately. It's, there's, it's a gradual process to it. Uh, how, many, how many people have you recruited so far? And, and how, how, tell us a bit about how, you know, Grandpad works as a, as a kind of a remote organisation. Yeah, well, we, we, as you know, I, and I remember when you met us at the beginning, um, we had to set about establishing the company. And uh, we were working at that stage very closely with Home Instead, as you know, both in Ireland and the UK. And we weren't doing B2C, and that gave us time, well, gave me time to recruit staff here. And we immediately started with five people, and they were trained um and work from home now as grandpad service agents. And we still have all of them and they're doing wonderful jobs. And of course, each one of those took on additional jobs. And then early, uh, mid last year, of course, Jeff Rothfuss who's here joined us as an advanced technical person for Europe. And that made a huge difference to us because immediately we, we were now able to move forward and, and establish and extend the company here. Uh, before that, we were depending on the technical people from the U.S. You know, the timelines were different and so on. So just addition to the team uh, meant we could now really start moving forward. And then we moved from, as I said, we moved from a hot desk in the main part of the Hatch Lab into our own office space. And now this last, in the last couple of weeks, we've recruited another five people here. And again, all working remotely in County Wexford. And we look very specifically for people who have had experience and are very focused into the context of, of working either personally or professionally with older people. So the next five we have recruited certainly are within that, uh, in that quality range of people. And that's very exciting. They will be, um, they're gradually joining us, but they'll all be in by the 11th of May. 
and we have now moved forward with um, additional partners in Ireland and with some exciting new uh, uh, developments in that and uh, we will be looking forward to to expanding again our staff and our clients and partnerships between Ireland and the UK. Um, that's working really well right now. I mean, obviously this time is the grandpa time. Everybody now realizes um, what it means to be old and be isolated and be remote from a family point of view. Now, I, you know, that's we're really so glad it's not going to stay like this. But I think it raises the profile of Grandpad. We, we, had we been more out in the system, the, the, the profile would have been further known and we would have been further known. But we really now have some exciting um, partnerships that will get Grandpads out in larger numbers. And I suppose um, the other thing then is like uh, a lot of companies would, I would say, would have had remote working suddenly foisted upon them that may have been part of their digital transformation plans three or four years out but those plans have been accelerated without their involvement that they just had no choice and suddenly you have a huge portion of the world's workforce or the, the western world's workforce all connected by broadband all working from home in my own company's case uh, nearly 70 percent of workers are now working from home the the whole world of work is changing before our eyes and i had a very interesting conversation with scott last year and i was saying well you know it isn't just how we work in the future i mean it, it opens up even opportunities for people who wouldn't be considered in a typical work demographic. You could have people who may have young children who've just gone to school. They, they could use those hours to work and be supportive in a tech support capacity or something like that, or people who are semi-retired or people who are just out of college. You know, there's so many opportunities that remote working could afford the, the general workforce in the long term. But in terms of the, the sudden arrival of, of remote working as a reality for so many people, what tips would you have for companies that, you know, are managing remote workforces? How do you get the best out of people when, you know, you're distributed teams? I found myself just working from home. I'm always, I usually, I'm, I'm quite experienced home worker, but I also had the benefit of being able to go into the office at least once or twice or three times a week. That's not longer there. And I've had days where I was personally crawling the walls. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm on every day. I'm on Zoom calls and Skype calls and uh, doing all kinds of different ways of interacting with my team. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite used to it. But in terms of tips you would have for, for businesses that, you know, need to effectively manage a, a remote workforce and the new world of work after all of this, when, you know, people who might have been averse to remote working will be kind of going, well, actually, I kind of preferred that. How, how, how do you guys manage your remote workforce best? Suppose, I mean, one of, one of the things, the advantage that Grandpad has is that we are a remote working company first. So it's at the center of what we do. So even from the beginning, when we onboard people, there's training involved in and how how to work at home effectively and, you know, be, what you need to work from home effectively to set yourself. It's not just a laptop on a kitchen table. We provide our guys with all the equipment that they need. But being being a remote working company first is a big advantage because it, it, working from home effectively, I've worked in companies before where it's treated like a perk, you know, and it, if, mm. if, if your company treats working from home like a perk, you've already kind of um, really put a challenge in front of yourself as far as perception is concerned, because it, it's 
now more than ever, especially with this crisis, it's, it's a reality of working and how we're going to be working in the future. Um, especially because there's a lot of people out there now that, that will wake up when this is over and say, I don't want to drive and be stuck in yeah. traffic for two and a half hours anymore. You know, I want better. Um, so places like the Hatch Lab, that will come into their own then. Uh, but as far as working from home, it's the reality now and, and treating it uh, like the reality and like that it is a workspace and it's a legitimate workspace. and It's not just a perk of the job. So that's one of the major things is that culture of, you know, you're not, we're not, we're doing you a favor by letting you work at home. It's, you know, that's not the case anymore. Also, trust is a big thing, but you have to balance that with monitoring as well. I think if you, if you need to trust your people that they're going to be doing what they need to be doing at home and in an effective way, and that that's also important. And I know that we get that here, you know, the leadership here and Edwina trusts us all to be doing uh, what we're doing um, uh, and also trust us to look after ourselves and not be doing too much. I think I read uh, yesterday that 44% of Irish people are now working longer hours than they were in the office at home um, when they're working from home. And you, you have to you have to make sure uh, that you're keeping that balance as well, um, you know, keeping to your regular working hours uh, and, and that people in managerial roles are, are making sure that their guys are doing that as well. Uh, just to, John, just to say, I started remote working teams back during the recession when I was working with the health service because nobody could afford to travel. We didn't have the money for people to travel. And the biggest part of that, and that was during a really rough time, and, and I... I, I started researching it then and moved it into my doctorate. But the really important piece I think people need to remember is that workers who are working at home can also be lonely and isolated. And if you just make the calls and speak about work, then they they have no chance at all to just get in, to engage as a team. Because a team is first the first thing you need to be developing, even if you're in completely different locations. And uh, one of the things that people... Don't, I think disregard because I think it's a waste of time is the fact that you need to engage with people in a social way um, when they're working remotely. And that because if you were in an office, you're meeting people in a corridor, you're chatting about what happened at home or you're chatting about what and we, we have a member who has got a new puppy. So, you know, you're chatting about things like that. You're working at home and the only calls you get with the rest of your team is work, 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 work. Um, there's no engagement and they get lonely and uh, they feel isolated just the same as anybody else. So I think that's, a re if I was saying that to anybody, I, I had to fight uphill on that one. Um, and I, I, there's a, there is a, a reasonable amount of research on that, but it's a really important part of it. The other thing that's slightly different with us, I think, is when I'm on a, a number of calls with other companies who are all remote working, they're engaging, they're having happy hours together and they're having, you know, fun hours or they're having something in the evening. And I think that's a good thing for a certain age group, but for but for kind of the people on our team, they want to close down the remote and just go off and do their own home things, you know, away from it. So I think you have to be careful with that because if you if you organize those kind of things and then start putting pressure on people to stay on for another hour or two, when they just want to chill out at home or be with their family, then you're adding an additional pressure to remote working, which you were trying to do to make it feel better. So I think you have to be careful about those things. I think a sense of humor is very important, you know, <laughs> because again, that sense of fun uh, reduces the tension of just being at home trying to work. The other thing I think needs to be done now and very quickly, I think you need, there needs to be research done in companies to show 
did productivity improve during this time? What, or what, what is the, the outcome for productivity with remote working, particularly for companies who don't do it? Because that will provide the evidence to give options going forward. Um, because there's still very conservative companies who are, can't wait to get everyone back into the office. And maybe that's not the right thing to do. I think there's a, a certain age demographic that would love to be back in the office, but there are others, like Jeff said, and, and I had some calls recently, women are recruiting. I work for a company in Dublin, you know, I hate the idea of getting back on that road for another two hours or three hours every day. Mm. Can I know about remote working? So I think there's a lot of excitement. I, hopefully it's going to change the way we think about working going forward and offer alternatives to people, not just because it's essential, but because it's a good way to work. Thanks for that cogent advice. I think it's very good. And I think uh, your, your points, particularly about morale, and you, I, I've actually heard people say that, you know, these, these uh, office happy hours uh, after five, where they say, well, actually, I should have already down tools by now. That, that's actually very, very true. And people are grumbling about that stuff. So, yeah, well, well pointed out. So, uh, Jeff Rochford and Edwina Dunn, thank you guys for joining us on Think Business. Thank you. Thank you.